are recording. Hello, everybody. Hi, Sally. Hey, Maddie. So today is a particularly interesting episode. We have one of the most renowned guests in all of human history, um, Madison Kratzer. Uh, so, so, uh, so Sally's pretty great too, but technically I am the guest today. Um, Sally is actually going to be interviewing me um, about the experience that I've had on the podcast and just kind of throughout life. So um, before I turn it over to you, Sally, I'm going to ask you a surprise question. Um, how uh -oh. do you, yeah, how do you feel uh -oh. the the podcast has gone so far oh man you stole my question I was gonna ask <laughs> you that question I guess I guess we can both uh give our opinions I think the podcast has been spot-on brilliant I, oh, I really I really and truly do Maddie it's uh it's just been uh so refreshing to hear such authentic uh, responses from real people who uh, also come from backgrounds of, of faith. That has just been amazing uh, to me. And how you, in, in your curiosity uh, and coming from a completely different perspective, have been so kind and generous um, in the way you've asked questions, in the way you've responded to people's answers. Um, I think it has given a lot of folks who might not have ever been able to really have uh, sincere, heartfelt conversations with a trans person, with a trans pastor. Uh, and, you know, I'm I, I just, I, I can't believe that we had Megan DeFranza back and uh, that just, that just blew me away that yeah. uh, we were able to talk uh, with people who identify as intersex, who are Christian. Um, when I first heard Megan, that opened my eyes in a big way. Yeah. So it's, I think it's been great. Good. And um, as for me, you know, I, being on the other side of this, just the eye-opening experiences that I've had, you know, um, with with Megan and Marissa and Leanne, um, that that podcast, um, which you know, actually at the at the time that um, that we're saying this, um, you know, it's it's going to be dropping for everybody you know tomorrow. So everybody is you know going to see this podcast and just, you know, it's shocking how similar yet different the experiences of intersex people are with trans people. Um, and that's just one of a million things on this podcast that really blew me away. So I think that it was great. And just a little teaser for um, next season, which we're, we're looking at starting in June or July, um, we have... <laughs> We have locked down um, a, a commitment from Austin Hartkey, um, an no author. Way. Yes. Oh, so, wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, we are going to have a gentleman by the name of Terry Strokes, who 
um, is completing a book in his own right. And it just, he, he does beautiful prayers on Instagram that, or, or he posts them on Instagram and they just um, have actually been getting me through some hard times that I'm dealing with right now. So just all of the, all of the things that we have coming up, I think we're going to have the same level of success, if not more in the next season. And we have, we'll have several people that are going to come back. I think next season's probably going to be um, closer to 15 or 20 episodes rather than the 10 we had this season. But, you know, this was an experiment and it was, it was, yeah. I think a, a successful one. So, okay. So too. Well done, my friend. Thank you. So Sally, you're fully in the driver's seat. I am now your guest. You go ahead and you can ask, you can ask whatever questions you would like. <laughs> well, I, I want to know, I, I would like for you to share with the audience, if you will, um, whose idea it was to do this podcast in the first place. So it's kind of, it's interesting because I, I brought the idea to you whenever we were, we had just wrapped up E3 and mm -hmm. I, I had gotten really involved and I, we were sitting having brunch. We and... had to have you, it wouldn't have happened without <laughs> you and Megan. Well, you know, I, I can't take too much credit. I really just became the Zoom technician, which I learned a lot about Zoom that day, or those days, I yeah. should say. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we were talking, we were talking with um, John Allen, John Allen Turner about, you know, mm -hmm. something that, a way that we can provide more content to people that love Centerpiece. And I just thought, I think a podcast makes the most sense, it, but I thought oh, there are so many podcasts. What's what else is there to talk about whenever it comes to the Bible and faith? And um, you know, then I thought, well, I wonder what it would be like from my perspective. Like, what would happen if I interviewed somebody? And I had gotten a little bit of this during E three because I hosted breakout sessions, and then I just thought. You know, a transgender atheist hosting a podcast about, you know, sex and, and spirituality and uh, or sexuality and, and faith, rather, is just a pretty fascinating concept. And so I pitched it to you thinking, you know, you would say, well, let's give it a few days. Let me sleep on it. And just immediately you were like, oh, let's do it. And I was like, <laughs> Oh no, I committed myself to something. I didn't realize that it was going to go this fast. So, um, so yeah, that was just one day at, um, I think it was, uh, it was a, a Mexican restaurant that had a really delicious brunch. Yeah. I, just, I thought yeah. of it, I pitched it, we agreed to it and we started it. Yes. And you took the ball and, and ran, and you and Megan have done all of these interviews. I mean, I, I came on and talked in the first episode, and I'm talking now. Uh, I certainly have watched every single one and just been delighted with the, the choice of, of guests mm -hmm. that you've had on and the content of each one. I, I just have thought is so... Uh, healthy and uh, needed and long overdue. So I, I, I've just been very pleased. Um, you know, you always have to think, okay, who's our, who's our audience? 
And that's always been a, a difficult uh, task for centerpiece is to uh, be able to, to use the language of, of your generation and, and we're learning language from younger generations now even mm-hmm. and, and to keep things fresh and contemporary so that we can speak into the lives of, of our young people while at the same time uh, being able to, to discuss things in, in such a way that keeps maybe uh, an older audience, say from my generation and beyond, engaged and interested and not <gasps> swallowing their tongues, you know, because what do you mean you've got an atheist transgender person hosting the show? What do you mean? This is a Christian was a Christian thing uh, very much so yeah and you know I I have to say uh, you you said in in generations even younger than me first it pains me to acknowledge that there are generations younger than me um, plural generations younger than me um, but today uh, or actually I should say yesterday yesterday um, I became a great aunt I oh my yes. You know, I hadn't really put it into context whenever my niece got pregnant, but, you know, my sister sent me a text like, hey, you're a great aunt. And, you know, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, well, congratulations. Thank That's you. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. I can't wait to meet him once, you know, I get my second dose of, of um, the vaccine and, you know, hopefully I'll be able to go over there and and, and meet him Um but yes. But anyway, um, yeah. I just I really love being able to interact with people of different yeah. different backgrounds, different different um, generations. You know, especially in in the podcast with Megan, I uh, I spoke with a woman named Leanne, who you know is um, she's an older woman that went through a, a time in our history that was really brutal for intersex people. I mean, not that it is, it's okay now, but just, you know, it was even harder because, you know, at least now there's some information for, for intersex people and the discrimination she kind of felt whenever she, she realized that she didn't want to live her life as a boy and then people kind of conflated her with being trans rather than being intersex, you know, just things like that. Talking to people of different generations and different different backgrounds has been wonderful. Yeah. Maddie, why did you want to do a podcast like this in the first place? Well, a few reasons. You know, I I thought first and foremost, I love Centerpiece. I love what Centerpiece does. I love what Centerpiece is. Um, And, you know, whenever I say I love the people at Centerpiece, I don't just mean you and Megan. I mean everybody, everybody that works with Centerpiece. You know, I got to meet so many people at E3 and and I, I bonded with these people. I, I connected with them. You know, one of the people that I intend on on having as a guest next season is Jen Eccles. And Jen is just the most wonderful person you could possibly imagine. I mean, I'm speaking with them every day. We send Marco Polos to one another, which for 
for the older generations, um, <laughs> that is uh, just a video uh, messaging app. But, you know, but they're one of, of dozens of people that I've met that just really have a deep impact on my life now. And thinking that there was a way I might be able to help with things like content and donations and things because you know despite wanting wanting to learn things was always the goal but something that's always needed for a nonprofit is to raise awareness of the cause to bring in some some form of donation whether that be time money or or otherwise and the if i can do you know 10% of the work that Sally Gary does in in bringing inclusion in Christian spaces to uh, to queer people, then I just think that's one of the most important things in the world. Yeah, I I uh, I so appreciate your your uh, gift of including people and and wanting just wanting to serve you you have such a servant heart and that's that's one of the things I love most about you what what have been some of your favorite moments on the podcast in talking to people oh gosh okay um you know it's now it's remember we've we've got a time limit here <laughs> no not um, really okay so so, you know, there's been a, a kind of favorite moment in every single episode, and um, it, it's impossible for me to, to really pick my absolute favorite. But the, the thing that jumps to me first is whenever I was interviewing Dina and Aaron Edwards um, from Dad's Hug 2, and I made the comment to Aaron that I... I understood he had walked somebody down the aisle because their father had refused. And I just kind of, I kind of joked, you know, hey, if you want to walk me down the aisle, that would be great. And he said, he said, yeah, absolutely. Tell me when I'll be there. And I, it was so heartwarming just feeling, you know, the love of a father that, you know, accepts me. And, and I want to say to my dad's credit that he has come a long way. But, you know, the, the immediate loving response from Aaron was really heartwarming. And then, you know, oh, yeah. on top of that, one of the most interesting experiences I had was with Luther Young. Um, Luther Young, for those that may not remember, he taught me a lot about intersectionality, about the intersection of race and gender and faith and you know learning there's you know a famous quote from somebody in the military that I, I couldn't care less about <laughs> they they said there are known knowns and there are known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns and he taught me so many unknown unknowns I mean there were things I didn't realize were an issue that he, he taught me about and oh gosh how it's so eye-opening and it blows you away and you just have to after I'm done with these interviews you know I sit down and I just google things that people have taught me and learn more about them and realize that there's 
this whole history to our country and uh, to Christianity and the Church of Christ that I just had no idea about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that doesn't stop. That's uh, certainly my, my case as well. There's always uh, an unknown, unknown waiting for me around the corner. Right. Are there any other moments that uh, you want to reflect on or? Yeah. I, well, one more that jumps out to me whenever I was talking to John Ogren, um, he's our pastor, you know, I, I've been attending um, Open Table Oak Cliff for about a year now. Uh, he, he started talking about how his queer siblings, especially his trans siblings, give him the freedom to be wh whoever he wants to be. You know, he doesn't have to adhere to a strict sense of masculinity in, in the way that we, you know, probably would have thought of it. 10 years ago, you know, 20 years ago. And it just, it was really touching hearing a cisgender, heterosexual, white ally talk about how he's grateful to our community for things that we've done for him. You know, it's, it's very often the case where people like me, um, we have to rely on the, the grace and the the love of allies to be included in spaces, but it's it's rare that I'm thanked for what I've done for, you know, straight cisgender people. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that sounds like uh, something that John would say. He's, he's <laughs> been very gracious. He's been very gracious with all of us. You know. Yes. Um, absolutely. I really appreciate that about him. So. You, you had the interview with John, uh, you had an interview with Karen that was pretty uh, scripture intensive. Yes. A lot of questions about the Bible. Um, yes. what, what have you learned from the podcast, from hosting the podcast about the Bible? Um, before I start this question, I think you know Karen, right? I mean, y'all y'all know each other pretty well. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. I I know I, Karen. Yes. Okay, that's good. Um, I just I, I wasn't entirely sure if you two were acquainted. Yes. yes. Um, so yes, yes. Uh, I married Karen back in December. Yes. Oh, so yes. yeah, y'all are very yes. acquainted. That's good. <laughs> um. So so yeah, but so there were. I'll, I'll, I'm going to start with the Candace episode. So episode two was with Candace, and she she told me about That's about right. the unit. We all talked about scripture too. Mm -hmm. We did, yeah. Um, and certainly we we with with Candace, I focused um, a lot more about her personal experiences coming up as a pastor and and things like that. But she did she gave me my first taste of scripture that Karen later kind of. Karen later kind of fire hosed at me, um, which was which was wonderful. But she talked about the eunuch and how that can be interpreted to to, to say that. Um, well, you know, actually, I'll I'll say that she she talked about the Roman soldier who you know came to Christ and said, "Can you heal this boy?" And this boy was almost certainly this this soldier's boyfriend. You know, this um, this soldier's lover and. Christ just did it, you know, there was no, there was no hesitation, and in fact, he, he 
said that the Roman soldier was, you know, of the, like, he believed more than, than most people. And I had never heard the context of that. And so then going into the episode with Karen, we went through what are is commonly referred to as the clobber passages. And those are just the, those are the passages that are most often used to hurt the LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, learning that everything I had heard about the Bible that was used against me was actually not the case at all. And in actuality was very damning of the people that were using those that language against me was mind-blowing. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine that my entire world had just shifted. You know, I grew up a Southern Baptist and I can't tell you how many times I heard that a man shall not lie with a man as he does with a woman, you know? And and to, to learn that all of these passages have nuance and they have subtext that can only really be understood by studying the biblical authors and the people of that time. I didn't realize that there were there was other possibilities for what those things meant. So it really, yeah. I mean, everything that I learned about the Bible really turned my, it, it turned my world upside down. Um, and that's coming as somebody who, you know, I didn't believe anything at the time of, of those, um, those interviews. And still yet, I could just imagine eight-year-old Maddie sitting on a pew hearing those those words used as a weapon and just now that I know that there's so much more to that uh that story than what I've been told is it's heartwarming and it's and it makes me feel like there's a lot more good in the bible than I I had ever realized yeah uh I I want to ask you about that I want to ask eight-year-old Maddie if there's any other stories from scripture that that she might have remembered or or was it was it just that uh, anger and uh, animosity toward the LGBT community that that she remembered most gosh you know I it's it's hard to say there was what I would now recognize as overt racism in a lot of the the churches that I attended. Um, at the time, I didn't realize what was being said. I didn't realize what was. I didn't realize that the Bible was was being weaponized, and so when when my pastor you know, would, would talk about slavery in the Bible and say, there's a lot of merit to what's being said here. And there's, you know, there are a lot of things in here that, that are true today regarding slavery. And, you know, we, we can't say that, you know, slavery was necessarily bad in the South in early American history. I didn't know that that was racist. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. And so I, so I do remember, you know, that's, that's something that I remember pretty vividly. Um, but besides that, you know, it was, it was generally meant to just otherize the LGBTQ community, but yeah, the, the racism was, was very, very open to somebody who mm. had, you know, a basic understanding of, of what racism is. Maddie, can I ask you, can I ask you a, a more personal question? Absolutely. This, this is just, I, I'm just thinking as, as we're talking, have you ever sat down and, and read the Bible from cover to cover? Not from cover to cover. I, I have sat down and read through entire books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and the books that I haven't read, I have read passages from, you know, I, in, in different churches that I've attended, they've done mm-hmm. entire segments of the Bible. Um, one, you know, we would go through all of Genesis, we would go through all of Exodus, you know, and, mm-hmm. but not the entire Bible. Yeah, I thank you for your your honesty on that. And you know, I I can't help but but think of of what um, clouds people's perspectives on uh, scripture. And certainly, if you grow up hearing something like you heard that that would try to justify slavery, you know, I. I <laughs> Among other things, I don't know how you can can uh, read the Book of Exodus and and uh, much of the old the whole you know the the story of Moses and and God's uh, freeing and, and rescuing uh, the Israelites from from slavery. Um, it just goes to show that what we have been exposed to and what we have heard, especially in our in our very formative years can either make us or break us in terms of, yeah. of what we're going to give credence to. Yeah. And so I'm what I understand or what I, I, I think I'm hearing you say is that there have been times in your life that you did attempt to read scripture to mm-hmm. glean something positive out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I want to add one more thing to the question. Um, one of one of the other things that the Bible has been used to kind of mislead me is masturbation. I was told that the Bible is very strictly against masturbation. And it was not until I was 22 years old that I learned the passage that I had been told a million times about the seed not being uh, spilled on the floor you know, wasn't, right, was not actually about masturbation at all. And it it certainly wasn't condemning masturbation. So, you know, I I just want to say, at this point, I don't know what all the Bible has been said to mean that has formed my, my opinions of it. You know, I, yeah, whenever, whenever I was speaking with Karen, and, and she, she gave me a really, you know, wave, like wave top 
view of what the Bible is actually saying, or, or certainly a more correct way to interpret it, that opened my eyes to a lot of things. But previous to that, I had found a few things that were, were shocking, you know, for example, the, the masturbation thing and, you know, the, exactly like you were saying, you know, Exodus being a really good way of, of describing God's love rather than uh, some kind of acceptance of slavery in, in, in the Bible. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, I wanted to add that one no. more thing. Yeah, that's, that's a good example. Um, uh, that's, that's really hard when that happens, you know, when someone uh, gets a, a negative perception um, of scripture to the, to the extent that you turn that off. I, I, I'm really, I'm really uh, touched by your willingness to continue to come back and, and look at it again. Yeah. And, and even to say, well, I, I, I don't believe in, in a God. I don't believe this is uh, in the inspired word of God, but, but I'm still interested in knowing more about that. Um, yeah. That really touches me. So Maddie, you, you identify as a transgender woman, correct? Yes. And you described yourself as an atheist. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier when you talked to Luther that you learned a lot about the intersection of race and faith and sexuality. What's, what's the intersection of your faith and, and sexuality there? Yeah. What, what does that mean to you? So, you know, I... Like I said, my... my younger years in church were spent listening to very homophobic rants from my pastor. Um, I've told the story, I think five or six times about the lesbian couple that was kicked out of my church um, and and so, so many more things. So I, I did not think as a child that you could be a Christian and a queer person. Now, that's not to say that I didn't want queer people to come to church. That's not to say that I, I thought that they were going to go to hell or something like that. I just didn't think that it was allowed. I thought that there was just a rule banning it. Um, so, so whenever I was in the Marine Corps, I started listening to different philosophers um, Christopher Hitchens, um, Dawkins, I mean, just, uh, I think Sam Harris was, was another big one. You, so a lot of, a lot of, um, atheistic philosophers and, and, you know, I just thought I couldn't, I couldn't believe in a God that hated queer people. It just wasn't possible. I mean, I just, it, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't, it, it wasn't that I was mad at God. It wasn't that I hated God. I just didn't believe that that was something that was possible. So in my mind, whenever I became an atheist, part, part of that was influenced by thinking, 
well, you're telling me that this God is loving, but you're also telling me he hates gay people. That doesn't compute, and therefore something is wrong. So I can't say that being a trans person made me an atheist, but I can say that being a trans person, you know, made me... It made me sympathetic and empathetic to the queer community and and thinking, you know, if I can be empathetic to the queer community, then certainly a loving God can. That absolutely influenced me becoming an atheist. And I and I want to say for a second, you know, there are a lot of people that think of atheists as angry at God or, you know, Satan worshipers or something like that. And I just, I do want to make sure that people on the podcast understand that atheists are not people that hate God. People are atheists that don't believe in God. And, you know, one of the things that I push back against um, with, with Amy, Amy Scott, excuse me, was, you know, atheists don't reject God. They just, they don't believe in God. <laughs> excuse me. I'm so sorry. They don't believe in God. So, um, I just, I want to make sure that people have that distinction because, you know, a, a lot of times whenever you identify as an atheist and you meet Christians, there's, there are a lot of presumptions that are made. And one of them is that you don't have um, a, <laughs> so Steve Harvey is, uh, is a Christian man. And I think most people probably know Steve Harvey is, and he, he said once, um, you know, he, if he met an atheist and he found out they were an atheist, he would turn his back on them and walk away because they do not have a moral barometer. Well, I can assure you, all atheists have a moral barometer and we are, we are capable of using it. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of things that atheists are and there are a lot of things that atheists aren't. And, and whenever, whenever my being transgender impacted my faith it didn't make me stop believing um i just did stop believing it's just a really important difference to me yeah i i don't want to belabor the point but can you remember some of you said you read the philosophers of uh uh dawkins and and hitchings Paris, what, what was there other than it didn't make sense for a loving God uh, to reject queer people? Was there anything else that that didn't make sense uh, for you to to reject the the concept of God? Yeah. So the. So a couple things. One, I felt that, you know, the Bible was fallible and therefore not the, the word of God. You know, in, in my mind, I thought either 100% of the Bible is real or 100% of the Bible is fake and there is no in between. And that's something that I don't think any of those philosophers would have necessarily said, but they, they certainly use the Bible very literally. I mean, there's there's a joke in in non-militant atheist circles that 
um, that atheists are are just as as much of a fundamentalist as as any Christian, because you know it's just you you use a very literal interpretation of the Bible to make it look silly, and and you know that's something that can easily be done. But whenever you realize that a lot of these stories are are parables and they are stories from two thousand years ago that are are meant to convey a message, then you know you quickly realize that you look silly if you try to take a literal interpretation of the Bible. Um, but except you know, for that talking donkey story. Except for the talking for donkey story, yes, that that is the literal one. Um, so so. Whenever I would I would listen to a lot of the the debates between um, these different atheist philosophers and and their Christian counterparts, and a lot of the times what the what the atheistic philosophers were saying just kind of rang true because you know they use science and they used they use sound logical arguments. What I didn't understand at the time that I was watching these is that. Um, the the Christians weren't trying to prove that there is a God. There there was no effort on the part of the Christian philosophers to say there's irrefutable proof. Well, I'm sorry. There's one gentleman. I'm not going to say his name because, quite frankly, I I think he's an embarrassment to to Christians. And I say that as somebody who's been a non-believer for for several years. Um, but he he opened up a an arc in um and it it failed very quickly but he he tried to claim that he could prove indisputably that, that there was a god but besides him um you know uh it didn't occur to me that these people weren't trying to say you know i can prove without a shadow of a doubt that you know there's a god you, you said in the first episode that there is not any evidence that would hold up in a court of law that that the resurrection was that happened, and that's that's the well, I was looking for whenever I was watching these. Exactly, and there's eyewitness testimony. Right. You know, if if we could uh, bring the I think the Gospels uh, mention maybe a total of five hundred or so people who who uh, actually witnessed or uh, experienced Jesus after he was raised from the dead right. and, and believed that they had encountered him. But even if you put the, the closest ones, you know, Mary and, and uh, the disciples uh, on the stand, you know, there are so many ways. Have you had evidence yet? Have you taken evidence? I'm taking evidence. I'm taking evidence next semester with my absolute favorite oh. professor, uh, Professor oh. Bobley. I am so excited. Well, evidence is a fun course, and and you learn a lot of things uh, in that course, and and you learn that eyewitness testimony can be disputed very very easily. You know, yeah. you can, um, and so yeah. There's, there's not uh, evidence that would hold up in a court of law uh, that's irrefutable. That's right. And, and, you know, one thing that I want to say about that is just the, the, like the, the standard of proof that I was going for was irrefutable. And what I should have been going for is, well, what do you believe? Because uh, 
the existence of God really comes down to, in my opinion, and, you know, again, I'm not a biblical scholar, so it really comes down to your relationship with God rather than, you know, some kind of proof. Uh, you know, I you don't need a handwritten sign in the sky saying, I'm up here. You just need some kind of feeling of, of connection. And, you know, to me, that's sufficient. If a person has that, then then that's all of the proof that they need that God exists. That's not something that I could have said, you know, six or seven years ago, whenever I was in a, a militant atheist phase. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go back and, and tell me, tell our, our listeners, our viewers, um, about your background as it relates to, to Christianity. You've talked uh, about some of the, the difficult things that you encountered. Um, was, there, was there ever a time that there was a positive picture of Christianity or more importantly, uh, who gave you um, your picture of, of God? Yeah, so whenever I say I was raised as a Southern Baptist, I, I certainly don't mean that my my family was Southern Baptist. My grandmother was a Southern Baptist. And if I wanted to spend the night at grandma's house on Saturday night, that meant that I had to be dressed for church on Sunday morning. And I like to go because the adults, you know, were really sweet to me because I was a child. <laughs> and, you know, um, so, so I would go in my, you know, just like you, you said in, in affirming, uh, my grandma would give me some money so that I could put it in the plate and, uh, you know, and it, it became my, my faith was centered on two things. One that I was told that it is a fact that God exists. You know, I, I didn't realize that there were other options. And then two, my love for my grandmother was really where what it boiled down to. I loved my grandmother so much I wanted to spend every waking minute with her. And so I just, um, you know, I did everything that I could to, to do that. And that meant going to church on Sunday. Um, and I want to, sorry, I'm going to get emotional. Um, at the time that we're recording this podcast, uh, my grandmother's in the process of passing um, I've been spending a lot of time with her at her facility that she's currently in. And, and actually, um, this is, you know, <laughs> God's honest truth. Uh, I've, I've been reading affirming to her. Um, she, before she, she lost all of her ability to communicate. I would, I would read to her. Um, you know, I, I, I truly, I, I just chose the book because, I, I had wanted to read it. It was sitting on, on my, my dresser and it was about God and that I knew that that would be something that she appreciated. And more importantly, it's about, you know, God's love for, for everybody. And yeah. I knew that she would appreciate that even more. So I would read to her. Honored. Yeah. She, I, I would, 
I would be reading to her and she would kind of cry out in pain or in confusion. And then I would kind of stop for a second and I would say, Grandma, do you want me to keep reading? And she would just like really emphatically like nod her head, like, yes, you have to keep reading. And, you know, so I, I think um, I, I read for a total of probably six or eight hours um, to her from, from your book. And, um, it, it wasn't until she lost her ability to communicate at all that, you know, she stopped appreciating it. So, um, so I, I want to say to you, thank you for, you know, giving me a tool to, to give my grandma, you know, uh, peace in, in her, in her last days. That was really special for me, but she, she was the one that, that really informed my, my, Uh, my view of Christianity and in the Bible. Yeah. I'll bet she had an impact on how you see God. Yeah. You know, and, and it's sad because I, I didn't see the truth of that until very recently. Um, You know, I, because I was listening to this pastor I, I had this view of God as, as an abuser, as somebody who was hurtful and hateful. Now, they said he was loving, but then everything that they said about him sounded terrible. But then my grandmother trusted God. My grandmother loved God. My, my grandfather talked about him all the time. And, you know, how, how can I you know, my grandma knows everything. That's what she would tell me. Grandmas know everything. And I was like, well, there's no way that my grandma loves somebody who's mean and cruel and will send you to hell. Um, and, and so, yeah, she, she absolutely influenced, you know, she, at this time, right now, now that I, I've been able to step away from a more hellfire and brimstone view of of the Bible and into a loving, nurturing view of the Bible, a lot of the lessons and the things that we talked about have really come into focus. And it's, it really is through her that I can say that, you know, I'm, I I don't think that that God that I, you know, that I rejected or, you know, stopped believing in that God doesn't exist that God's not real. Um, and, and she helped me see that. Hmm. Is there a, is there a time that you remember specifically, uh, about her telling you about God or maybe something she just did that gave you a picture of God? Yeah. So we would sit on the porch for hours and talk. I would, grab a soda from the pantry because she would always forget to put them in the fridge. So I'd grab a soda from the pantry and we would sit on the porch and we would just, you know, she lived right across the street from me. So um, we were as close as any, you know, mother and child would be. Um, I went to her house. Anytime my, my mom was making food, I didn't think I would like, she would tell me, well, you can go over to grandma's house. So I'd go to grandma's house and I'd eat, you know, so so I would sit on that porch with her 
every morning I would just sit at my window and wait until she came out. And then I would go over there and we would talk and, and stuff. And one of the things we would talk about was God. And, you know, she would tell me stories about, you know, my grandpa's final days and how, you know, different Christian groups and, and this, this really ranges from, um, from Baptists to, to Mormons, to Catholics would come and read to him. And she would say, you know, that's God's work. That's, that's what God wants people to do. They, they, they're doing the things that, that God is asking them to do. And, and then she would, you know, we would see something like a, a flower or, you know, a particularly beautiful sunrise. And she would say like, you know, that's God's painting. And, you know, I, I remember looking at that and just like, I didn't know what she meant. I mean, I, I understood in the literal sense that she was saying that like God did this, but I didn't realize the, the truth behind what she was saying in, in terms of like the world being as beautiful as it possibly can be, even on a random street in Garland, Texas, just seeing something that was, you know, it was for us, right? It wasn't, it, it was just, it was something that only God could do in, in her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful story uh, of you going over, uh, waiting for her to come out, sit on the porch with her. That's, uh, that's really sweet. Yeah. And those you know, are powerful. Yeah. You know, those are powerful moments that I think a lot of times we take for granted, but um, those are, those are formative and what a gift your grandmother gave you just of herself and her time yeah. and uh, yeah, well, pointing out, uh, pointing out what they were doing for your grandfather. I, I, uh, I think you turned out a lot like your grand grandmother. Thank you. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget one particular moment just sitting on the porch and we, we were watching the sunset um, and, you know, she, she said, I just, I can't believe that, you know, anybody could, can look at this and think that, you know, somebody didn't, uh, like somebody didn't make this happen. And that was always really interesting to me thinking, you know, in, in her eyes that this was something, you know, seeing the sunset and, and how beautiful it was, like, she really thought of it like a painting. And I just, that was always so fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom did a lot of that with me when I was little, of pointing out God's uh, work and God's character in nature and, and just in everyday life and things that were going on around us. Um, I'm really glad. Glad that you remember that. Yeah. What, you know, Maddie, you and I have, have talked, um, and you know that um, I, I love you wherever you are. You know that. 
but I'm wondering if if any of these uh, conversations, any of these experiences um, have had any impact on how you see God now? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I've, I've been attending uh, Open Table Oak Cliff for a year, and then I've been, I've done, this, this is the 10th episode of this podcast that I've done, and um, I, I think that probably the most formative uh, episode was with Amy Scott. And um, for those that don't remember, one of the things that Amy said was that I was going to go to hell. She said it in a really sweet way, but she, but that that was the um, that was the bottom line. And what I said was, well, I'm you know I'm not rejecting God. I just don't believe in God. I'm I'm way you know I'm I'm receptive to God. Um, I'm, I'm open, but I, I'm not getting anything. So how I can't reject something that I haven't had the opportunity to receive. And that next Sunday we were in church and I was asking a million questions because I always ask a million questions during church. Um, John Ogren uh, very kindly referred to me as uh, his personal BS detector. Uh, <laughs> he uh, and and you know if, if that's never the intent, it, you know it really is to learn. But he was like, "You've you've called me out on a lot of things that I wasn't prepared for," and I and I thought that that was a really sweet thing to say. But but um, yeah. So we we were we were talking, and I was asking questions, and you know. At just some point, I just had this feeling, and and I didn't know exactly what the feeling was, but my first instinct was that it was something spiritual, and and it was kind of like a feeling that I had had before, but not the same. And my my gut reaction to that was, I, I'm just going to shut that down. Um, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that stuff. But then I thought back to that episode with Amy and I thought, okay, I told her that I was receptive to God. I can't be a hypocrite now and I and just turn this away. So I reflected on it for uh, a few days and I, I thought about it. And for the first time in I think seven years, I tried praying. And, and I thought, okay, you know, if you're here, if you're with me, if you exist, I'm not asking for anything other than some kind of feeling that can lead me to believe. And I didn't get anything from that. I just, I just kind of let it settle. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to be fair about this, I have to give God the best chance that I possibly can to reach me. And so I, I thought through what that meant. And for me, that meant I'm very, um, and I, I don't mean this to be a slight against anybody, but I'm very hesitant to be around straight cisgender men. And that's that's informed by a history of sexual assault and, and physical assault. And that 
doesn't mean in any sense that I believe all cisgender straight men are like that, but it just is the experience that all of the people that have assaulted me have been in that category. So it's just, it's hard for me to, to feel close to somebody that, that is in that category. So I thought, okay, so that, to me, that means that God needs to be a woman. So anytime from that point forward that I prayed, that I talked about God, I either didn't use gender or I explicitly said she. And immediately I became a little bit more comfortable with the notion that I was exploring my faith because I was doing it with somebody who I felt comfortable with. And more importantly, while I was doing this, it felt, it felt like I was exploring a relationship with somebody new rather than mm -hmm. the God that I thought I knew. Um, mm -hmm. Because that God was abusive and hateful and mean. Yeah. And if there's only one God, it's not that one. So he didn't exist. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I thought, if I believe in a God, she has to be loving and compassionate and caring. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing that really, the thing that really convinced me was I, get emotional again. I prayed. I, I had talked to, to Megan um, about how she talks to God. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, do you hear God? Do you, does she talk to you? And she said, well, for me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like whenever you know your parents so well that you're by yourself and you're in a situation and you think, what would my parents say? And you can just kind of hear their voice telling you and guiding you. And, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to try that. And my mom passed eight years ago and, and I haven't heard her voice in eight years. And I had really forgotten what it sounded like. I had forgotten how, she, I mean, even whenever she would say my name, that it was such a distinct, clear way. She would always say my name and I had forgotten it. Yeah. And I prayed and I thought, okay, what would God say here? And I heard my mom's voice. I heard my mom's voice loud and clear. And the, for the first time in eight years, I just, I felt really comforted at the oh, thought yeah. of God. Yeah. 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 Oh, Maddie. <laughs> that gives me goosebumps. It gave me goosebumps, God's too. Voice, God's voice does come in uh, our mother's voices comes in grandmother's voices. You know, the first time I uh, read the book, uh, The Shack by William P. Young uh, about a, a man's uh, experience with God and, and the Trinity, actually. I'll never forget 
getting to page 82, 83, and reading the part where the man gets to the cabin and, and he knocks on the, the door and an African-American woman answers the door and she's God. Yeah. And I burst into tears yeah. at the thought of uh, God's um, more uh, feminine presence, shall we say? That was very comforting to me too. Um, I I just I I'm amazed and, and I want to hear more. I bet yeah. our I bet our viewers want to hear more too. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I um, I I have been thinking about it for a while, and I, I've been thinking about you know what what does it mean to be a Christian to me. And to me, you know, a lot, a lot of people would say that if you believe in God and you believe in, in Christ and the resurrection, that you, you're, you're a Christian. And um, those are the two kind of pillars of, of Christianity. And certainly there's a lot more that is, that is extremely important, but those are the two uh, most important. And, and I, I'm not sure exactly where I land in terms of the veracity of, of the resurrection. But what I can say is I think, I think that, you know, given, given the way people viewed God back 2000 years ago, to them, a loving God was a God that, you know, would send snakes after them, but then, you know, only kill a few of them. And, <laughs> and then, you know, save them using, using, you know, it, like her loving presence. And that's, that's, um, to them, that was a loving God. And, and I think that, you know, what Christ did by, by dying on the cross, whether he was resurrected or what, whether he resurrected three days later or not, was he showed people there's no, there's no need to view a loving God as somebody who would send snakes after you in the first place. God is somebody who you go to for comfort. God is somebody who you go to for love. And I think that, I, I think that to me, a Christian is somebody who believes in the importance of Christ and has a, a relationship with God. And so I would say this point that I'm a Christian. Well, well, Maddie. Oh, Maddie, if I could reach through the Zoom call <laughs> and wrap my arms around you. Oh my goodness. And and oh, you know goodness. I, I want to say beginning this podcast, I, I didn't think that this was going to happen. I hope nobody thinks that this was a gimmick. I assure you, you can look through my Facebook. It wasn't um, something that was that was planned. Um, I, I I wasn't pretending to be an atheist for <laughs> from the beginning of the podcast so that we could have some kind of reveal. This was this was not something that was planned. Sally was never intended on, you know, had hadn't intended on interviewing oh. me, but then I, you know, I asked her oh. to and you know, here we are. So, so yeah, I, I think that between, between centerpiece, 
and between Open Table Oak Cliff and between this podcast, it just, it kind of culminated in me feeling safe enough to explore a relationship with God, a, a loving God, uh, a God that cares about me, regardless of whether I'm trans or cis, whether I'm gay or straight or bi, regardless of my skin color, you know, these are, these are things that I, I couldn't imagine the God I believe in caring about. And, and just because of that, that comfort in exploring my faith. I, I came back to Christianity. And by that, I mean, I came to a, a version of Christianity that I think is real. Wow. So you mentioned, you mentioned Open Table Oak Cliff, which if our uh, viewers haven't heard before, uh, is the, the new church plant that we've been working on for a couple of years now, been worshiping together outside during COVID and online during the winter months. And um, we're, we're an open and affirming church of Christ, the third in the country. Maddie, can, can, you, can you share more specifically what it was that you experienced there that um, helped you become more open? Yes. Um, um, the first thing was learning that there was an alternative to the God that I used to believe in. Um, mm. You know, because like I said, growing up, there was one option, God existed. Whenever I became older, there were two options. That God existed or that God didn't exist. Now I know that that God didn't exist, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. Um, you know, the way I view that God is the same way I view Zeus or, <laughs> um, or Poseidon. Um, you know, it's just, it's not real. The way I view this God is informed by you know, an affirming, loving community that, that told me it was okay to, it was okay to be vulnerable. Um, it's been a really long time since I felt okay being vulnerable. Um, one of the things that I often talk about is that whenever, before I came out, you know, Mark was a shield and a sword to protect Maddie. And one of the things that he had to protect her from was, you know, a, a hateful God that, you know, turns out didn't exist, but neither of them knew that at the time. Um, yeah. And so I, I couldn't have been vulnerable um, until I was in a community that, that made it safe to be that way. And with John leading a service and with, with you telling us stories about, you know, your life and, and allowing yourself to be vulnerable, then everybody else sharing in ways that was really touching. I just thought, okay, these people can't possibly, you know, 
these people can't possibly be worshiping a God that would send them to hell. So what, what does that mean for my relationship with God? Yeah. And it was, it was really important that, that I explored that because if, if I hadn't met you, if I hadn't gone to open table with Megan, um, I, I wouldn't have come back to faith. Certainly not for a very long time. I'm really thankful that uh, God crossed our paths and God used that space. Um, I think uh, you have an openness to your heart that maybe you don't even realize. And God um, has had his hand on you, has had her hand on you for a long time. Always on you the know, porch with your grandmother. Yeah, it's really easy to see that in retrospect. Um, you know, sure. I the odds that I ended up in a class with somebody whom I befriended and therefore met somebody who I would, you know, become best friends with and um, fall in love with, and then through her meet an entirety of people that became my chosen family. I mean, the odds of that are astronomical and it just, <laughs> you know, and, and atheist Maddie <laughs> six months ago, I don't know, a month and a half ago <laughs> would have scoffed at that and said, well, it's, it's might be astronomical. That's just what happened. But, um, mm -hmm. But today, I would just say, you know, I I believe in in a God that would be willing to guide me, even if I didn't believe in her at the time. It's goosebumpy to hear you say that, and yet I don't love you any more than I did before you did say that. Um, and so I, I, I just want to say I am honored and so excited that, that I get to walk alongside you and um, whatever, whatever comes, um, we'll go through it together. You're stuck with me. Um, that involves a baptism, right? Many think so, yes. You know, God can do whatever God wants to do. And my, my favorite verse has become Romans 9, 15, that, that God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. He can do whatever he wants to, but I believe baptism is an important mark of uh, beginning a life of being a Christ follower. It's not about keeping you out of hell. It's yeah. about being able to move forward in, in uh, becoming uh, a disciple and growing deeper and deeper and deeper with God. Well, so I'm, I'm going to ask you in front of everybody if you would help me on that path to growing deeper in my relationship with God and if you would baptize me. 
I would be absolutely honored, Maddie. <laughs> I would be honored. Um, oh my I, goodness, thank you. I have been, you know, in, in this process, um, one of the things that I told myself was that was a really important, that was really important to me in my faith was that I had somebody that could baptize me that I trusted and you were the first and only person that came to mind. Mm. I am thrilled, thrilled to death. Um, we, we can go right now. If you want to, we can end this Zoom call and we will find a place. We will go straight away and uh, you can be immersed. You know, I uh, think I think that the people at Open Table would be a, a little upset with me <laughs> if I if I eloped on them in my baptism, but um, but I would like to do that. Whenever, I would like to do that this summer. You want. Okay, you just uh, say the date and and we will have a, a celebration and and then some. We will uh, we'll have a, a birthday party. I, um, I really love that. Um, so Sally, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this podcast and for giving me the opportunity to grow, not just a relationship with God, but also just as a person. Um, I've learned so much and I hope that the, the viewers have, have done so as well. Um, I, I really can't wait to come back for a second season and just, you know, learn more and learn more about the God that I believe in. Um, you know, we had, we had a gimmick going for a little bit. I'm sorry. I went and ruined it by <laughs> finding a relationship yeah. with God. Um, but you know, hope, hopefully people will still tune in if a, a Christian transgender woman, um, is hosting the podcast next season. Um, I, I want to ask everybody to, you know, if, if you have the ability to go to centerpiece.net slash donate and, and donate so that, quite frankly, so that more people can have the experience that I did where they get a second chance at a relationship with God. And, um, and I, I hope that um, you go to centerpiece.net generally and just look at all of the things that are coming up. Um, Sally, is there... Is there any last words you would like to add? Yes, I would like to invite you to listen in, uh, watch the, the summer series of the podcast that I will be doing. And it's going to be, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be an exploration of the book of Luke, um, one of the four gospels uh, that shares uh, the life of Christ. It's one of my favorites, um, and so we're going to be taking some important uh, stories from the book of Luke and discussing those in the podcast for the summer. So it'll be uh, a break, but uh, I hope you'll tune in and, and watch. And Maddie, I will need pointers on uh, Zoom. I don't have as fancy a microphone as you do. You can borrow whatever you would like. Maybe Megan will help me too. <laughs> you know, I, I hear that she's pretty good at helping both of us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She's very good. 
Okay, well, Sally, um, I I really loved our talk. Um, I I, did I look forward to that baptism. And you know, one thing we could we might want to do is, since you know the the guests have heard my story going from beginning to to end, um, for them to to see the baptism, if we could record it, maybe we could put it on yeah. centerpiece, and and they can they can also. Um, you know, get to see that. I think that, that's a beautiful idea. Okay. They can well, be witness. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, Sally, I hope that I get to see you this weekend. Um, if not, then I will see you very soon. I look forward to us having a um, a backyard dinner. Oh, very soon. Second okay. shot tomorrow. It'll yes. It'll be yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. Bye, Sally. Thanks for having me. Bye, bye. Bye.